It's time. Heben knew he was dreaming. He curled himself deeper into sleep to make the dream last. He was at home, on the lands of the Kledsek in the north of Merithros. The glorious curve of the sand swept out before him, sculpted by the wind, the same wind that whipped across his face as he spurred the Hegesu into a gallop. The twins whooped with glee, crouched on their own beast, Gada in front, with Shada clinging on behind, her eyes shining. They were racing to the top of the dune. Heben heard the soft splat, splat, as the Hegesu's feet thudded into the sand and the huffing protest of its breath as he urged it on, and he felt the matted woolly coat under his hands. At the crest of the dune, Heben saw the whole of his father's land spread out below, the swell of bronze and golden sands, and the silver flashes of the water pools. Far off, a low cluster of tents and flags marked his family's homestead, where they lived in the old way, under canvas. Flocks of hegesy, brown and milky dots, shifted slowly across the sands, and above it all spread the taut canopy of the silken blue sky. The twins were just behind him, Gada stumbled up the dune, dragging the reluctant Hegesu on its tether, and Shada ran up to tease him. Out of the way, you stinking desert dog! A sharp kick in the ribs woke Heben. He cried out and tried to roll over, hunched against the pain. Except that he couldn't roll over. He was roped to the prisoners on each side, and none of them could move. His neighbor, a heavy Galanese whose red face dripped sweat, eyed Heben with displeasure. Keep still, can't you? He growled between clenched teeth. You'll have us all thrown overboard. Heben blinked and struggled to sit up. I beg your pardon, he said, from force of habit, but good manners were equally unwelcome. The Galanese curled his lip contemptuously and turned his head away. Heben tried not to grimace at the stench of his companion, after five days without washing, he probably didn't smell very sweet himself. The pirate's ship was a long galley with a snake's head for a prow, like all Galanese vessels. But the pirates, rather than feed the hundred slaves they'd need to haul at the oars, preferred to move under sail, and the benches below the deck were packed with treasure and prisoners, not slaves. About a dozen captives were tied with Heben up on the deck, roped at the ankles and wrists, and crammed into a space barely large enough to hold four men. It was five days since the ship on which Heben had been a passenger was captured and sunk, and he had almost given up wondering what would happen to him. At first he'd thought he might be held hostage for a ransom from his rich father, the head of the clan, the pirates weren't to know that his father had disowned him and forbidden him ever to return to the lands of the Kledsek. But the pirates had shown no interest in his parentage, nor did they ever ask why a wealthy young Marathuran lordling might have gone to sea, when it was well known that highly-born Marathurans loathed everything to do with the ocean and never went near it except from dire necessity. The pirates had taken Heben's pouch of gold coins, 
and stripped him of his fine clothes, his curved sword with the gilded handle and leather scabbard, and his golden earrings. The small medallion, the size of his thumbnail, that identified him as a member of the clan of the Kledsek, had disappeared with the coins. Then the pirates had bundled him into a corner with the rest of the captives on deck and paid him no more attention. They'll sell us for slaves in Doria's town, muttered one of the prisoners. But instead of turning to sail south toward Dorius, the stronghold of all piracy in the Great Sea, the serpent-headed ship kept its course to the north. The mutterings grew darker, taking us to the tallow pits of Verthana, no doubt about it. What are the tallow pits? Eben asked. The prisoner on his other side, a bald and bony sailor who had been the cook aboard Heben's ship before it was scuttled, gave an ominous cackle. Don't they talk of the tallow pits in them deserts of yours? The tallow pits is where the pirates take them they don't need and them they wants to be rid of. He drew his finger across his throat. Spit em, blood em, skin em. Melt the fat down for candles. You never heard of a dead man's candle? They can burn for a whole turn of the moons without losing the flame. They won't get much fat off you, sneered the fleshy Galanese. The cook leaned over, dragging Heben's arm across his chest as he poked his fellow prisoner in the ribs. They'll be getting plenty off you, though, won't they? And plenty of hide, too, what's more. Hide? Heben's stomach turned. They'll tan your skin and make it into boots, growled the Galanese. Pirates all wear man-skin boots. They'll make enough boots out of you to shoe the whole ship, cackled the cook. But the rest of the prisoners sank into despondency, and Heben, too, was sick at heart to think that his quest might end in such a horrible way. The cook gave Heben a nudge and nodded over the side of the boat. Looks like we might be nearly there. Heben strained to see. Sure enough, the ship was drawing close to one of the little islands that dotted the straits. It was a strangely beautiful sight to someone who'd never known anything but the desert. The sheer rock of the cliffs reared out of the sea, and the deep green of trees fringed the shore. A gull soared overhead, a white flash against the blue. It had rained in the night, and the morning was washed fresh, with a tang of salt that could be tasted on the tongue. The sky shone blue and unblemished, like a glazed bowl filled with clear light. If this was truly to be the last day of his life, thought Heben, at least he would die in a place of beauty. He hoped he could face death as a Marathoran warrior should, unblinking, straight-backed, so that the ancestors who waited on the other side of the curtain to greet him need not be ashamed. The other prisoners had fallen silent, their incessant grumbles and curses hushed at last. The brash voices of the Dorian pirates rang out through the clean morning air. Boat ho! Heben saw a little dinghy bobbing on the water. A scruffy-looking boy was at the oars, and sunlight flashed on the two round glass lenses that he wore perched on his nose. 
A strange device, thought Heben. There were two others in the little boat. One was a tall, thin young man who looked about seventeen, Heben's age. He had dark, burnished skin, and tattoos spiraled across his face and chest. And there was a young woman about the same age, with a long, dark plait over one shoulder. The man with the tattoos was half-naked, but the boy and the woman wore sturdy, plain-colored shirts and trousers, the clothes of people who worked hard with their hands. Fisher folk, thought Heben. This must not be the place after all. Death would be postponed. He gulped in the cold air with relief. His ancestors would have to wait for him a little longer. To be honest, he was not looking forward to meeting them. They would probably disapprove of him, just as his father did, and the thought of an eternity spent with ancestors pursing their lips and shaking their heads was not a prospect he relished. Hello, muttered the Gelanese, yanking Heben sideways as he craned to see what was happening in front of the ship. Pirates won't like this. Can't they see where they're going? The boy with the strange lenses was rowing directly into the path of the much larger pirate ship. Sailors leaned over the rail and shouted through cupped hands, Out of the way! Hey, boy! Out of the way! That boy'd better look to his oars, observed the Galanese. This ship won't turn aside for him. We'll smash em like a twig, the cook rubbed his hands together in glee. Heben stared. What were the three in the little boat thinking? Still, the boy pulled steadily at his oars without ever looking over his shoulder.